Thank you for downloading from Father's House City Ministries, Portland, Oregon. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Father's House City Ministries at www.fathershouseportland.org. Everyone has their giftings, everyone has their strengths, but just because you are a woman or just because you are a man does not mean you are qualified or disqualified to do anything in the kingdom. It's all about the call of God in your life. We are in a Joel 2.28 season. What is that? Joel 2.28 says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And today, I mean, even worship, man, really just spoke about that. Asking Lord for more. And the Lord is responding. He's pouring out his spirit. And he's anointing his sons and daughters to accomplish just amazing things in this world. You know, sometimes it's easy to look at all the negative negativity and all the bad things that are happening, but I want to tell you that God is moving through his church. People are coming to know him. There's healings, there's salvations, there's deliverances. This is a season where we all have an upgrade to step into, and the Lord is saying, do you want to step into it? And um, as I was thinking about this, the Lord laid on my heart that there is still a bit of a spirit of um, disqualification in some people. And this disqualification, there's a lot of things with that word, and we're not going to be able to address all of them. There's one specific thing I want to feel like we want to address today. Um, And that is, well, first of all, what are some other things that people use to disqualify Maybe you don't have enough education, or um, maybe you you didn't go to the right school, or maybe you haven't been a Christian long enough. You know, in in the in the church, we've created this little bit of a hierarchy, even though we don't necessarily want to do this. It's happened. Maybe some people have wanted to do it because it's you know there's power in hierarchy. But what does the Bible say? What does the Scripture say in Galatians three twenty twenty eight? It says there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It kind of sounds like to me that we are, there's, there's all those barriers have been broken and yet sometimes we still put these barriers in front of us for people to hurdle or for people to try to get past. And um, one of those barriers is this is that women in the church should be seen and not heard. (laughs) That was it. I'm just going to read two scriptures, and then I'm just going to leave it there. You guys can do with it all you want. And, And that's it. That's our teaching today. No, I, I, so today's going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a teaching day, I'll, just a little bit. I hope you guys don't mind because I think even though we, a lot of us in this room don't necessarily believe that, there's still something in the back of our mind that says, "But what about those scriptures?" Because we ha- we we hold the Word of God 
to high regard, high esteem. It is the word of God. And so what do we do with those things? Uh, we've I've probably all heard a little bit explanations over the years. And like you growing up, I heard those things as well. And they never really sat well with me because there was always a little bit like, well, if you, you know, some of those scriptures, well, I don't want to jump too far ahead. We'll get there in just a minute. But I don't want to live in a place, in a culture, where my daughter or my wife or any of my sisters in Christ feel like they're less than or feel like their voice is not as important or feel like they can't speak up because the call of God on people's lives is that. It's a call of the Lord on people's lives. This is not going to be one of those social justice warrior messages where we're going to elevate women and say they're awesome, men are horrible, because everyone's awesome. Everyone has their giftings. Everyone has their strengths. But just because you are a woman or just because you are a man does not mean you are qualified or disqualified to do anything in the kingdom. It's all about the call of God in your life and if you're going to respond to that. But what I want to do today is I want to break down this barrier because I know sometimes, like I said, it's still a lingering thought in some of our minds. And you may say, I've never heard of this. Maybe you're new to Christianity. But I want to tell you, even if this isn't a culture in this house, you will run across it because it's a culture in a large portion of Christendom. Because, and I'm not necessarily going to put any uh, reasons why they're doing that or any motives per se, except for a lot of people look at some scriptures and and just just go gung-ho, this must be what it means, and they don't even really do a lot of digging into what it really means. So I believed growing up that women were powerful. I believed that women were unique. They have giftings uh, that are amazing, giftings that men don't have. Um, And yet uh, I've seen these scriptures and growing up, like I said, I heard those things explained to me why why those things didn't really apply. But all those arguments were based on well, the only arguments that I ever heard growing up were based on, it was a very specific word that Paul wrote to that church, which certainly might have been the case, because I will say this, the couple of scriptures that, are, that we will talk about today, um, how many know that Paul wrote a lot of epistles? He wrote a lot to a lot of different churches, and on most of the churches, He said, I'm writing this to you, but go and spread it out to the different places around there. There's a couple of of epistles that he wrote that actually didn't say that to. It was really specific to them. However, what I want to make sure that we're doing today is we don't like, we don't fall into that argument saying, well, it was just that, so we can't apply it today, because you could take that same argument for anything. And in fact, many people do. Many people do take that same argument and say uh, about, you, you, you name it, any kind of hotbed social issue now, you know, even sexuality, people are saying, well, you know, that was just specific for that. So we're, you know, we're free to kind of do whatever we want. And so it is a slippery slope if we only use that reason of why 
Paul said these things in those scriptures. And so today I want to just break down a couple of those scriptures so we feel like confident in knowing that we still honor the word of God, which is 100% true, which is 100% correct, but at the same time, we're, we're, we're understanding and we're reading it in a way that actually is correct. How many people want that? Yeah. All right. Genesis one twenty seven. That's right at the beginning of the Bible. So um, if there's a good place to go see kind of what men and women were about, let's look at that scripture. It says, in his image... God created men, male and female. He created them. So did God create man in his image, or did he create men and women in his image? This isn't a trick question. It's pretty clear. He created men and women. I'm not sure exactly how that process went. There are some theories about how that happened. Possibly right at the beginning, Adam was had both and the Lord separated. I don't care. It really doesn't matter. All I want to say is both men and women carry the image of God. And so when we say, well, women shouldn't be heard, are we, are we saying that's okay if that part of God, that part of his image is not seen and heard in the church? Are we really okay? Are we in a position where we're going to say, well, God, you know, yes, you did create women in your image, but we don't need to hear that. Is that a really good place to be? All right, so now that we got out, out of the question, um, and... Uh, I'm not going to go into this, but it's super important that when we, and well, actually I will dive into it just a little bit here. The word of God, if you guys have your scripture, or if your Bible's with you, turn with me to John 1, 1 through 5, or your phones or whatever you have there. It says, in the beginning the word already existed, the word was with God, and the word was, was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everyone that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And so I want to point out really quickly here, the word of God, when you hear that expression, a lot of us have heard that. Uh, People use that as... The word of God as just a description of the Bible. But I want to tell you, the word of God is not just the Bible. The word of God is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And everything is in creation, in and through him, and it's for him. We also understand that, yes, this is his written word to us. And yes, this is inspired. And yes, we believe every single word that was written in here. Because it is inspired to him. But the problem is, it was never intended to be read. It was never intended to go through and be studied with without him. And so many people go through these scriptures and read it out of their own intellect and they try to figure things out. And the God is and God is saying, Hey, listen, I want to inspire you. I want to speak to you what that really means. Because I, I don't have time to go through this, but how many know the Bible has lots of contradictions? 
And what I mean by that are these scriptures that say, well, this is my favorite one. In Proverbs 26, verse 4, it's literally one verse after the next. The first one does, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. The very next verse is, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. So which is it? Should we not answer a fool, or should we? And so if you take these scriptures literally and you say, well, boy, that'll sure confuse you. There's a lot of these type of scriptures that God is saying, come, ask me what it means, and apply it. And that goes for these scriptures that we're going to talk about today. It's important that we allow the scriptures that God has written, his word. Number one, we need to be familiar with his word. We need to know his word. We're in a generation now that people do not know the word of God. People are led to Christ, which is an awesome thing, and they're given all this identity right at the beginning, and yet they're not led to read this. And what happens is, if you're not grounded in this, you're easily swayed a lot of different directions. So I encourage you guys, make it part of it. And it's not just like a, oh, I have to read the word of God. Invite the Holy Spirit into it, and he will begin to speak to you through these things. But it's important that we are all people of the word because it's important. Because regardless of the revelation we get, regardless of the new whatever, the latest things, it will always be validated in here. Because God's character and his nature is in here. And so any other fresh revelation that goes against that, we know if it's not in here, it's not of God. Amen? All right. One last scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's important that we understand how important the word of God is. So we're going to talk about two of these two scriptures that people have hiccups on. The first one, if you want to turn your Bible, is in 1 Corinthians 14. 34 through 35. And I guarantee you, not a lot of people are preaching on this nowadays. It's not a real popular message uh, for a lot of different things because actually a lot of people aren't really speaking on the word now. But also it's just, I don't know. We'd rather just talk about all the good stuff and fun stuff and, and we don't want to break things down. But this is really cool about, we're going we're gonna to learn some stuff today. You guys ready to learn? Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. (laughs) I I heard chuckles. I didn't hear amens. I heard chuckles. Every scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. So what is God going to use us? How is God going to use this scripture to teach us today? I want to highlight a couple things. This, This letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians was not written to the men. It was written to the whole entire church. It was written to the whole entire congregation. So Keep that in mind as we read some other scriptures in that. 
book. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34 through 35. I'm sorry, I may have not said that. I apologize. Highlight that one. It's really important. (laughs) Just keep going back. Yeah, Denise asked if she has something to throw me. Yeah, that one. uh... It's bookmarked. Good. All right. So, okay, in that context, let's read. uh, Well, you don't have to go there. In chapters 12, 1 through 11, and Paul is writing, and he's trying to explain to this, this culture who's coming out of a, uh, a polytheistic viewpoint, which is, you know, there's lots of gods for lots of different things, and he's trying to point them to saying, hey, there's only one God, because they're saying, well, there's a God of prophecy, and then there's a God of healing, and then there's a God of, you know, words of knowledge and all these things, you know, there's, there's a God of community, whatever, Anything that you do in the church, because they're coming out of this old way of thinking that there's a God for everything. And so Paul's explaining to them, coming out of this polytheism, I keep bumping that, I hope I don't ruin that. He's, he's uh, coming out of this, and he's telling them, hey, listen, there is one God, and he is behind all of these things, and he says, but to each one is given. But to each one of his gifts, and then he starts listing out these different gifts. And again, is he pe- preaching to just the guys? No. All right, later on, chapter 14, verses 1 and 5, it says, Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I would like every one of you to speak tongues. I would like every one of you guys to speak in tongues. No. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. I would rather have you guys to prophesy. No. I would rather you. Who is he speaking to? Everyone. Chapter 14, 26 through 33, Paul exhorts each one to have a teaching, a psalm, a revelation, or the like to edify the church. So the same guy in the same book that he writes, it's the same letter he writes to the Corinthians, he literally in the same chapter, he's telling the whole entire church to have things ready to speak in the church. And then all of a sudden, we come to this one verse that just seems like it's so out of left field. We, I'm like, how do you even make sense of that? Well, here's a couple things that you may not know. This letter that Paul was writing to them is a response to a letter that the Corinthians wrote Paul. And they asked him a bunch of questions. And Paul wrote them back, and he was clarifying things. We know this because in a number of different places, he wrote, and he says, like in, in uh, seven, or chapter 7, verse 1, he says, now concerning the things about which you wrote. And then he goes on to explain them. One of the challenging things about this is he didn't always use that same formula when he was answering questions that they had for him. Sometimes he would just state a question and then answer it. And so when we look at these things, we need to keep that in line. And we're going to come back into that in just a couple, couple minutes. There's a lot of holes in this argument, too. The first one is women should be silent, and then when you go home, ask your husbands. Right? But what about all the women who weren't married? Right? <laughs> right? Well, what Paul was saying there, you just have to remain in ignorance. Cause, or wait until you have a husband, and then it's going to be explained to him. <laughs> no, no. So there's lots of holes in that argument. 
I'm bumping into everything. There we go. So like I said, many scholars actually look at these, this, that uh, verse that we read in uh, or verses 34 and 35 as one of those questions that the church of Corinth actually asked Paul. And what Paul was saying, because Paul did it earlier, but he was actually a bit more explicit in this is the question you asked, Paul was repeating this question that they had. And I'll explain actually why that actually makes sense. Because in the Greek, there is this thing called the expletive of disassociation, which is uh, Greek to me, but it's this language that they use. It's this, it's this letter. It looks like N with a little scribbly. It's pronounced A. And the closest we have to um, uh, interpreting this is like, what? Question mark. Or nonsense. Or no way. So Paul uses this thing all throughout, like I think 14 different times in 1 Corinthians, he uses this one little word. He uses like in, in chapter 1, verse 13, no way. Were you baptized into the name of Paul? 6.2 says, what? Do you not know what the saints will judge the world? And so on and so forth. And we see literally the, the, the verse right after 34 and 35, which is this, again, it's pretty clear that this is a question that they asked him that he's repeating. When it says, women should remain silent. And then the end of that says, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Immediately following that, in verse 36a, it says, he uses this language. He says, nonsense. Did the word of God originate with you? What? Are you, only, are you the only people it reached? And yet, so often we don't even really see that. We don't even plug the interpretations of the scripture totally glaze that over. And so it brings an entirely different context to this scripture that people have struggled with so many times with, of suppressing women, of putting women down, of not listening to them. And yet, if you do a little digging, if you, if, and that's the thing, the Lord is asking us to dig deeper with him and his Holy Spirit to really see what he was trying to say there. And so ultimately, you can look at this scripture and say, this is a question that Paul, or that the Corinthians were asking him, he repeats it to them, and he basically says, you guys are full of it. No, that's not the way it is. And not only besides the interpretation here, which is, you know, pretty solid. A lot of scholars are actually leaning this direction as far as interpreting the scripture. We're going to dive in a little bit what it actually looked like as far as what the early church looked like that really does not line up with that. There's another scripture. We don't have a lot of time to go into it, but the other one's found in 1 Timothy 2, 14 through 16. You guys can turn your, your Bible there if you want. This is the other hotbed one that you should highlight. First Timothy 2, 14 through 16. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam, not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. I don't have time really to break this down very much, but I will say this. There is a very long line of interpretation that has taken that word 
um, assume authority over a man and actually interpret it as exercise dominion or to govern. Um, Ah, boy, I don't even have time to go through all those things. And so basically what you actually should be looking at this scripture, um, it should read this. I do not permit a woman to teach with a view of dominating men. I do not allow a woman to teach nor to proclaim herself author of men. That's that same word there. And so I, again, I don't have time to really break it down. And I do encourage you, there's a lot of books about this. I'm going to get to there. There's a lot of books about this um, that really break it down. There's just wonderful things that will bring you like a great appreciation of what women actually do and what they're called to do. And I encourage you just to go and study this out yourself. Like I said, we don't really have time to really break this down. But this word author, the background of this is um, in 1 Timothy, he's actually speaking to the church that's in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a town that was dominated by um, uh, the worship of a deity, uh, a female deity named Artemis. She has a lot of other names, uh, Aphrodite, all those other things. But anyway, the Artemis cult was influencing the, the church at that time. And so uh, Paul was actually addressing this specific issue in there because um, they were elevating the feminine above the masculine because that was part of the worship of Ephesus during that day. And some of the women started taking that old way of, of living, old way of looking at things and actually literally dominating the men in that. And so Paul was addressing that thing when he was talking to them about and in fact, the last part of that scripture, which is kind of weird, I've always thought it was kind of weird, it says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. What Paul is actually addressing there also is um, a correct biblical perception of creation, because in Greek mythology, Artemis was the first. She came first, and then she had a male consort who came uh, to her side. And so Paul's actually just put it, kind of just addressing some theological problems that they were having because they were bringing this, this Artemis cult into their thinking. And so again, the proper interpretation is that I do not permit a woman to teach with a view of dominating a man, which is good because we can also say we shouldn't permit teaching that dominate women either. But we don't have any problem with that, right? Besides these translations, and actually looking at them correctly, what happened in the early church? Because if, if there's anything that we should glean is how they were actually walking these things out. And I just want to list a few names. Priscilla. Priscilla was mentioned in the Bible a couple different times. She exhibited great authority. In fact, her name came before her husband a lot of times, which actually signified uh, a, a symbol of great honor. In fact, she also taught Apollos, and Apollos was one of the great church leaders of that time. And so if women were not allowed to teach, why was she teaching one of the greatest leaders of the church at that time? Junia. Paul calls her outstanding among the apostles in Romans 16. Huh? Well, 
Paul just said women shouldn't teach, and yet here we go. He's telling Junia, he's commending her, outstanding among the apostles. What's interesting about that is many interpreters over the years have tried to change Junia's name from a feminine name to a masculine name to try to make sense of like, oh, okay, well, he probably meant a guy, and that's why he called him apostle. No, you can't do that. It's not even remote. I mean, you have to be so dishonest to go that direction, and yet, unfortunately, the church has done that over the years in a lot of their interpretations. Phoebe, she was a deacon. In fact, Phoebe, she was entrusted by Paul to carry her letter to the Romans. And this wasn't just like, okay, Phoebe, go and give this letter to the Romans. No, when she did that, she literally was going in the place of Paul. She would teach the letter, and she would explain the letter. So again, if Paul really meant what we thought he meant all these years, would he have really sent Phoebe to go teach? There were early church house leaders that were mentioned in the Bible, Chloe, Lydia, Aphia, Nympha, the mother of John Mark, Deborah. This is in the in the New Te- or in the Old Testament, but she literally was the highest authority in the land. She was a judge. She was a prophetess. She she helped lead uh, Israel to salvation. There's Old Testament prophetesses that are mentioned. There's New Testament prophetesses. Mary Magdalene. She's got a bad rap all these years because of of course uh, some popes didn't like her, and they kind of associate her with the prostitute. She was not the prostitute. She, did, she was delivered of, uh, it says, of the seven demons, which was an expression of the day of a mental illness, which to me is pretty awesome. She was delivered of that, and yet it's, it's pretty clear that she was a woman of means because she helped fund the ministry of Jesus and the disciples, and she followed along with them. A lot of people, actually, the early church called her the apostle of apostles, Did you know her name was mentioned more times than every other um, of the 12 uh, 12 disciples besides three of them? In fact, uh, many people see that she actually went to France after Christ was um, resurrected. She went to France, and she evangelized most of France, and she she, uh, church planted more churches than just about any other early church. And so we see all these amazing things that women did in the church. And so it doesn't make any sense why we would go down the road of trying to interpret it to mean what so many people have placed on top of women. You must be silent. There's been an assignment. There's been an assignment. There's been an assignment to silence the church. There's been an assignment to silence women But in that, I see there's been a tricky thing that the enemy has used to try to silence men as well. Why do I say that? We've created a system in where half the population is told to be silent, to sit down, and your voice doesn't matter. What has that done? They've become disqualified because of who they are. This has created a perception that women are less than. And it's still, even though we don't listen, we don't, again, we don't practice that here in this church, but these perceptions still are lingering throughout all of churchdom. And they still linger a little bit, and so there's still this little bit of doubt. It's like, should I step out? We've created this culture where women are less than. And when men see this demonstrated in the church, 
they begin to see women as less than. They see them as something to be used. They see them to be something to be abused because they're not on par with men. And we've created a culture where so many men have been bound in their use of women, of their abuse of women. We have probably over half the church men are bound by the spirit of pornography because they keep viewing women as less than or as something to be used, and they don't view them and honor them as has God's called them to be. And so what's happened is these men have been bound by this thing, and their voice has been silenced because they have this guilt because they carry this with them. And so this, this assignment to silence women has affected men as well. It's silenced men. Someone asked me the other day, why are there so many on-fire women in the, in the, in the, in the church? And it's, uh, it's true. In fact, it's, it's interesting, even in the early church, um, because during that time, the culture was, um, they actually got rid of somewhat similar to China. They got rid of a lot of the female uh, babies. They just abandoned them. And the church rose up and said, that's not right. And so they had actually a lot of women in the early church, and they took the opportunity to study. And there were some early church leaders, they were writing about the women during that day, and they actually referred different pastors and different elders to these women because they were so full of the knowledge of God has been moving in their lives. In fact, there was one of the church leaders um, in, four, in, I think, 400, what was his name? Augustine. We all know Augustine. Well, we know that name, at least. He said, any old Christian woman was better educated in spiritual matters than many a philosopher. But we have in our church today, we have in our churches across the United States, we have a bunch of on-fire women, and yet our men, a lot of our men, have disappeared. They've disappeared because they've been demonstrated that women are less than. They aren't to be honored. They're to be used. And because of that, they've responded such. And they have, they're living these guilt-ridden lives. And so today, this message is about understanding why we honor women. I know we can't go into it a lot, but we, we see that women carry so many significant gifts that the body of Christ needs but it's not like we want to prop up all women. We want both women and men running together in their God-given authority and giftings because we need them both. We need them both. So today, I, I felt like the Lord is wanting, like I started this message out talking about Joel 2.28, the scripture about God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And this is an upgrade for us all. There's an upgrade for a lot of the women in the house who feel maybe they have been demonstrated to them that their voice has been less than, or maybe they've had a hesitancy in stepping out and walking out into the fullness of what they believe God's called them because maybe the systems that they were under have kept them suppressed, or maybe even they even read the same scriptures and like, I don't know, you know, I feel like I should go preach, but I see what it says there. 
I want to break that off today. I believe the Lord wants to come. He wants to bring freedom to that perception in the house. It's not freedom over the women that will help them rise up and become all they are called to be. And then also I want to cut off today the spirit that a lot of men have bought into that sees women as less than or something to be used. This is something that needs to be broken off the church for us to really rise up into all God has called us to be. In fact, this is the one singular issue that if it's not addressed and taken care of, the church will not advance. We have absolutely no time to go there because this is an entirely different message. But along with this is, um, there's also been an assignment over the world to feminize men And uh, like I said, this is an entirely different scripture or different message, but um, we're also going to pray over that, that that spirit's broken off of people, that men feel like they can be men. Because what are men? They're men, men are called to protect. Men are called to provide. Men are called to honor. And yet right now the assignment is for them to do the opposite of all that. And so we want to make sure that we're addressing that as well. So, all right, let's all close our eyes. Let's, let's uh, hold our hands out because the Lord has, like I said, an upgrade for us all to step into because it's going to take us walking in confidence and authority, knowing that God has called us and commissioned us and these barriers that have sometimes been placed on us to be broken off. So right now, Lord, I thank you that you are here right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are doing work all over this room. Lord, I thank you. Lord, that you do. You lead us into all truth. So first of all, Lord, we repent. We repent for listening to the lies. We repent for the way we've reacted. We repent for not placing honor where honor is due. We repent for not stepping out when, I, when we know we're called to step out. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we step into all that you have for us. Lord, we step into, Lord, who you've called us to be. Lord, we step into a confidence, knowing, Lord, that you've called us Lord, to see amazing things, to preach the good news, Lord. Regardless of who we are, regardless of our sex, regardless of our age, regardless of all these barriers that sometimes we place on ourselves, these disqualifications, in the name of Jesus, we cut off that assignment of the enemy of disqualification that says you cannot speak, you cannot, your voice does not matter because you are a, a woman. This is a lie straight from the pit of hell that we cut off now in the name of Jesus and we release the mind of Christ over every single woman in this house. God has called you. God has called you. God has called you to open up your mouth. God has called you to preach the good news. It may look different for other people, but God has given you a voice for a reason. God has made you in his image 
and in his image, he creates with his mouth, and you are to create with your mouth. And every single barrier that's been placed inside of you right now is cut off in the name of Jesus. And I just release a spirit of confidence in you to rise up and be all that you've called to be. And right now also, Lord, we just cut off in the name of Jesus, the spirit, Lord, that has bound so many men. Lord, that has told men to use, to abuse, that women are less than, that they are not something to be honored and cherished and taken care of. Father, forgive us, Lord, for putting up with this sin. Forgive us, Lord, for so many men that have been bound with this, and we cut off that assignment in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you give us the mind of Christ, Lord, that would honor, that would honor, not suppress, that would honor and lift up and protect and not use. And today, Lord, we commit ourselves, Lord, to honoring each other for who we are. Forgive us for listening to the spirit that has feminized men, that has not allowed men to be who they are called to be. Give us the confidence to rise up, to become who you've called us to be, Lord. We say yes to that today, Lord. We say yes to that today, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Right now, just begin to pray. Begin to just just give them your mindsets and your thought processes, all those places that needs to be washed away, that needs to be cleansed from the old ways of thinking and stepping into the new way of thinking right now. Just begin to dial out of the Holy Spirit. Invite them into your heart. Invite them into those places right now. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come wash us, Lord. Come wash us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hmm. Can I have the prayer team come up? certain that in a crowd this big there's been some women that have been hurt by the church or by words that have been spoken over you. If there's some places in your heart that you believe that still needs healing, I'll encourage you to come up here with a prayer team that wants to bless you, that wants to uh, just see these things broken off. Just encourage you guys, I know this is kind of a a little one-off message that we don't usually go this direction, but I really felt it strongly in this season that we all have this mindset, this proper mindset of who we are in Christ, that we don't have these barriers, that we don't like walk out in hesitancy. Because any time that we walk out, we say, well, I don't know. It's almost always that we're not going to step out into what God's called us to. So the more of those barriers we're able to break down, the better we're at. Amen? All right. Any more closing things? I know that this is about, um, Ty talked specifically about honoring women, but I also feel that part of the spirit of the age is feminism for women to actually come out of balance and actually try to become something they're not in order to create um, a 
bringing whatever the world perceives as order. And I just really felt that God, what God's doing is restoring, restoring his image. And so there's, there's an equality in the image of God, not, not an equity where you take from one to give to another, but an equality. And so I just really feel actually as women, we need to represent the father's heart. Um, we may have been oppressed, yes, but we choose to forgive. We choose to move past that and actually become who God created us to be, which is actually not putting things on guys and saying, well, you treated me this way, so I deserve this. That's not from the Lord. That's actually a form of vengeance, and it will never be satisfied. That spirit can never be satisfied. And I just feel really strongly that part of this message is the balance of both male and female in the presence and image of God. And so I feel to repent on behalf of women. And so every woman in this house, I'd like you to actually just agree with me right now. Put your hands out, and we're going to release to the Lord every type of oppression that's been put on us and then we're going to restore back with our mouths what it should look like. Does that make sense? Okay, so Lord, we repent. We stand in the place for women. We repent, God, for taking up position or taking up things that are not ours to take. God, we are satisfied with who you made us to be in you. We say we are your creation. We are women, the women that you made to be in partnership with man to have dominion in Inequality in your fullness of image. And so, God, we repent for any partnership with the spirit of the age that would come and try to bring out of balance the creation that you made. God, we say we're sorry. We're sorry for listening to the world's version of justice. We're sorry for listening to the world's version of what a woman should be. And we turn to you, Father, the author and the finisher, the creator, the word himself, Jesus, who created us. And we say yes to who you created us to be, Lord. And we come back into alignment with your heart for the creation of woman, that we would actually release the emotions of the Father. We would actually release the nurturing of the Father. We would actually release the beauty of the Father, that we would come into the powerful partnership that you created men and women to be. And Lord, we say yes, we bless the men. We bless them. We bless them and we say, Lord, let them be who you created them to be and God let us be who you created us to be that as one we would be one with you Jesus as the head of all things and we come into alignment now in Jesus name everyone say amen thank you for downloading from Father's House City Ministries Portland Oregon support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations you can find out more about Father's House City Ministries at www.fathershouseportland.org Thank you.